So good morning, everyone. My name is Trevor. Um, thank you, Pastor Sam, for that lovely intro. So I'm the youth pastor here, but occasionally I get to share up here um, on Sunday morning. So uh, just one more quick announcement. We are having a youth group lock-in this um, Friday. And I'm just announcing this because right after service, um, for about five minutes, right after the last song is done, we're just going to pray for that event. So if you'd like to pray for our youth group kids, you can meet me over there. So let's start out with our shouts. What do we do? Yes, we do. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. And that is facts. So today we're going to be continuing our discussion of the book of 1 Peter in our series Redefined. And we're talking about a topic that's already been talked about before. But the reason we're talking about it again is because Peter mentions it several times throughout the book. This is one of the main themes of the book, and it's the theme of facing persecution as a Christian. So, you know, people get angry at you because you're a Christian and, you know, maybe they make fun of you or hit you or kill you. And Peter is writing this over and over because it's the reality of his listeners. Like Pastor Sam shared a couple weeks ago, the government itself was persecuting him. And it was pretty serious. And they were probably thinking like, whoa, what are we supposed to do here? Are we supposed to shrink back from this persecution? Or are we supposed to stay faithful? And so Peter addresses it again and again to help them understand how to think about persecution, and what to do in the face of it. And when I was preparing this sermon, I was wondering, like, is this going to be relevant to us? Because it was relevant to them, but, you know, we're 21st century Western Christians. We have, you know, one nation under God in our, you know, national pledge. And our country was built on Christian values and, you know, relative to other places in the world or other times in history, we don't really face serious persecution here. I mean, if Pastor Sam got beat up one day for being a Christian, we'd be like, what? That would be super surprising, right? But I think that's why the first verse of our passage is perfect. So let's check out 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. In this passage, we see Jesus redefine persecution. Instead of being surprised, we're supposed to not be surprised. Because it's not surprising for a Christian to suffer persecution because Jesus redefines persecution. Are you surprised that your own people are rejecting you? Why? Jesus was rejected by his own brothers. Are you surprised that people are disagreeing with you and arguing with you strongly against you? Why? Jesus faced constant um, argument, constant controversy, constant criticism. Are you surprised that people are killing you? Why? Your Savior was hung to death on a cross. Jesus redefines persecution. If all of that can happen to him, then as his followers, we should certainly expect it to happen to us. In fact, the surprising thing would be if, like right now, we didn't face that much persecution. That would be surprising. Now, perhaps you've heard that many people in this country are leaving the Christian church, um, and that's actually true. You know, in America, like, churches are kind of emptying out pretty fast. Now, that's not true in the, in the global church. You know, Christianity is growing faster now than it ever has in world history. But in the United States, many people are leaving. And this country has been getting a little more hostile toward Christian beliefs over the last 60 years. And I think the reason why people are leaving is because we got surprised. We didn't have to face any persecution for a long time in this country. And then, you know, people started, you know, that, that's wrong. It, we, we disagree with that. And it's like, whoa, whoa, okay, fine. You know, it's all good. It's all good. We'll back off. But the thing is, when people back off, they actually back away from Jesus and his teachings. And we're not supposed to do that. Instead, when we face persecution, we're supposed to stay faithful through persecution. It's not supposed to be surprising. 
But just because it's not surprising doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. You know, I, I'm not surprised when I go to the doctor's office, but then when they you know, put that cold stethoscope on my chest, it's like, oh, I hate that thing, you know? But in the rest of the passage, Peter gives his audience three reasons, uh, three things to think about when we face persecution and how to stay faithful through persecution. And at the end, after giving us three reasons to stay faithful through it, he gives us an instruction about what to actually do while we're being faced uh, while we're facing persecution as Christians. So first, three reasons uh, why we should stay faithful through persecution, and then one thing to actually do when we actually face it. So the first reason to stay faithful to Jesus through persecution is in 1 Peter um, chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Don't be surprised, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that, our first reason, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So our first reason for staying faithful through persecution is so that we can be overjoyed when Jesus' glory is revealed. Instead of being surprised and shrinking away, we rejoice and we stay faithful so that we can be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And it says when his glory is revealed, that's talking about the second coming of Christ, when Christ will return to earth and reward his followers and punish those who were against him. And Peter tells us to rejoice while we're persecuted because the other option is to be surprised. The other option is to go, ah, and shrink away. He says, no, no, don't do that. Instead, rejoice and be faithful because if you shrink away, you're not going to be overjoyed when Jesus returns. Rather, you'd probably be scared or you know, terrified. But instead, rejoice and be faithful so that when Jesus returns to reward those who are faithful to him, you can be like, here I am, Lord. I've been here faithful to you the whole time. One of the beautiful, glorious things about God is that he rewards his faithful followers. He has for us a crown of life, life that's full of joy and lasts forever. He has us rewards that you can't imagine right now. The Bible literally says, you know, what no ear has heard, no eye has seen, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And so we stay faithful because, best of all, his presence is going to be with us forever and ever. The God who created us, the source of life and joy and peace, he'll be right there with us. And our relationship is perfect. So that's why when we face persecution, we rejoice and stay faithful through it so that when he comes, we can be overjoyed and receive those wonderful blessings he comes to bring to us. Moving on to verse 14, uh, 14 we see our second reason why we should stay faithful through persecution. In 1 Peter 4.14, 4, it says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And the reason number two to stay faithful through persecution is because when we are faithful through persecution, we are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. Now, there's two potential ways to understand what this means, and I go back and forth, so I'm going to tell you both. Um, the first potential way to understand what it means when Peter says the spirit of glory and of God rests on us is that when we're persecuted, it's like a reminder that God's spirit is with us. You know, when people persecute us, it, they're not necessarily hating us because they hate us, but rather because they hate God. And when God's spirit is on us, that makes them hate us too. It's like, oh, you know, I, I see that you are, you know, full of the spirit of God and, and you know, as worldly people, we hate that. But when they do that to us, when they hate us for that, it's a reminder, wait, they're hating me because God's spirit is on me. That's awesome. It's like if you brushed your teeth and people were like, you know, we hate you for brushing your teeth. And it's like, wait, I brushed my teeth. That's great. I'm not like, you know, stinky breath, right? And so that's a good thing. Like God's spirit is on me. It's a good reminder. Like, wow, you know what? I know that these people are being mean to me because I'm a Christian. You know, I know that these people are beating me up because I'm a Christian. But I mean, think about the benefit. God's spirit's on me, you know? Um, so that's really cool. 
The other potential way to understand it is that when we're persecuted, we're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on us in a special, unique way. Like an extra special blessing that God gives us so that we can get through that moment of persecution. And there's a really cool example I heard or I read of this one time. It's in this book called The Christ of the Korean Heart. And it details different uh, Christians in Korea who faced persecution in the early 1900s. So this is an example of um, a time when someone was persecuted, but the spirit of glory, the spirit of God was on them in a special way. It's the story of a pastor named Im Han Sung. And he was a prisoner of um, some Japanese invaders. And they were like, you have to bow down to our sun goddess. He was like, no, I can't do that because God tells me not to bow down, right? And they're like, well, then we're going to beat you up. And he was like, okay. So they were beating him up. And then they threw him in prison. And then they were beating him up some more because he still wouldn't do it. And they were beating him and he was in prison and it was cold. But this is what it says. Weeks passed into months. And months into years, there were more routine questionings, slappings, and beatings, but Im stood his ground. At night, in his cold, hard cell, he had sweet communion with his Lord. All the pain and suffering would melt away. The radiance of the Lord Jesus seemed to fill his cell, and at times he could almost hear audibly the gentle voice, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So we see, yes, he faced this tough persecution, but at the same time, when he was in that cold, hard jail cell, Jesus met him in this extra special way. The spirit of glory and of God was on him in this extra special way. And that's what many Christians report when they go through persecution. It's like, yeah, that was hard, but I met God there more than I ever have before. And so those, that's the second way this uh, passage can be understood, and that's the second reason for why we stay faithful through persecution. Either because it's a reminder that God's Spirit is on us, and I mean, what could be better than that? You know, God's Spirit's on me. Or because God's Spirit will be with us in an extra special way during those moments of persecution. When we face persecution for the name of Christ, we are blessed. And normally, these moments of persecution would be horrible, right? Who likes getting beat up? Not me. Um, But Jesus redefines persecution because he says, yeah, I know that normally this is horrible, but I'm going to redefine it because you're going to be blessed in those moments because the spirit of glory and of God will be on you. So that was our first and second reason to stay faithful through persecution. And we're going to get to our third reason in a moment. But Peter has this little interruption, and he actually did this earlier in the previous passages too. But he says this little interruption, and it's to qualify what exactly we're supposed to be persecuted for. We are supposed to be persecuted for the right reasons. Because there's good reasons to be persecuted and bad reasons to be, perse- to be persecuted. And if you're going to actually face this per- persecution suffering, you want it to be for the right reasons. So let's check out 1 Peter 4, 15 through 16. So if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. If we as Christians are hated or mocked or otherwise persecuted for our faith, we should rejoice because of that. But sometimes our Christians are hated or mocked or or persecuted, not because of their faith, but because they're jerks. So you don't want it to be for that reason, you know? Uh, So let's just imagine, at my job, I'm a lazy slack off. I'm also not that nice to my coworkers, you know, I'm joking, but I'm actually being rude. And I don't really do that, my work that well. And one day my boss calls me in. And he's like, hey, you know, um, you're fired. And I stand up. I'm like, Whoa. 
I can't believe you. How could you? He's like, you know, your job performance isn't that great. I'm like, it's because I'm a Christian. He's like, you know, you make fun of your, your, uh, your coworkers. I'm like, it's because I love Jesus. And, you know, if you say, you're lying, you're firing me because I'm actually a Christian. Well, that's not true. That's not actually facing persecution for being a Christian. That's not persecution at all. That's just suffering the natural consequences of being rude to your coworkers, of being lazy. And so Peter says, no, 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 don't suffer like that. Don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or a bad employee. Don't suffer for that reason, but rather if you suffer as a Christian. So imagine you're at your job and you actually are a hard worker. You actually regularly complete your tasks ahead of time, right? You're excellent in your work. You're kind to your coworkers. But one day, the conversation turns political. And the discussion about gay marriage comes up. And your coworkers know you go to church on Sunday, so they're like, wait, you're a Christian, right? Don't you guys think that that's like a sin? Ooh. And so you say, well, yeah, you know, gently and calmly, of course, lovingly, well, yeah, you know, God loves everyone. God loves every single person, and so do I, but the Bible does teach that homosexual activity is a sin, and so, you know, that's what I believe. And word gets around office that you said that, and a couple weeks later, you're called into your boss's office, uh-oh, and you can't work here anymore. Oh, no. So you pack up and leave, but he didn't tell you why. And a couple days later, you get a call, and it's one of those you know, higher-ups, and he, you and him were friends, and he says, you know, it, you were fired because of what you said about homosexual activity being a sin. Now, that is actually persecution for being a Christian. Christians are supposed to be kind, loving, you know, gentle, supportive. They maintain peace, but they also teach and believe what the Bible teaches and believes, and that's what you were. You were kind, loving, you know. You weren't trying to be rude. You weren't being hateful. But, you know, when you were asked what you thought, you responded with what the Bible says. And that is how you're supposed to be persecuted. Not as the jerk, the office jerk, okay, but rather as a loving Christian who stands on what Jesus says. And Jesus says, or Peter says, in that moment, check that out, do not be ashamed. Normally, getting fired, shameful, embarrassing. Other kinds of persecution, getting beat up, shameful, embarrassing. Being thrown in prison, embarrassing. But when you suffer for Jesus, when you suffer for being a Christian, that's not supposed to be shameful because Jesus redefines persecution. He says, don't be ashamed if you, if you face persecution for me. It's all right. Don't be ashamed. So that was Peter's quick caveat. You know, don't suffer for the wrong reasons. Don't suffer for being a, a jerk. But don't be ashamed if you suffer for the right ones. And that brings us to our last reason Peter gives for being faithful through persecution. So we had our first two reasons, and now we're going to our last reason. And the reason is because it's better to stay faithful to Jesus and suffer persecution in this life than to shrink away and face God's wrath in the next. If you think it's bad for Christians, imagine how bad it's going to be for non-Christians. So let's check out 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. So in the previous section, he says, uh, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And then he says, our last reason for, it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Peter says we should stay faithful through persecution because if God's judgment is hard for us, his household, us Christians, how will God's judgment be for non-Christians? If it's uh, hard on us who believe in God and who believe his gospel, how hard will it be for those who don't believe in God and don't believe his gospel? So therefore, if it's hard for us, don't shrink away because it's even worse for those who don't believe. And I want to pause to explain this real quick because it can be kind of difficult to understand what Peter meant. 
Not because he like wrote it incorrectly, but just our understanding is limited. And he says that God's household is under God's judgment. And that can be confusing for me as a Christian because I was like, wait, I, I thought that I was like saved. I'm not going to be judged, right? Okay, he's not talking about like the after death judgment at the end of time when God, you know, um, sends some people to heaven and some people to hell. He's not talking about that. Rather, he's talking about the, the judgment of persecution that Christians are facing in this world. It's through persecution that God tests and purges his people. The fire of persecution brings the impurities to the top, and just like gold, God scrapes that off to purify us. It's the world persecuting, but it's God using it to purify us. And the reason why it's a judgment is because if we were already pure, we wouldn't need to be purified, you know? So um, that's why he says that phrase. And then the next phrase that can be kind of theologically confusing for us is, he says, if it's hard for the righteous to be saved. And that's like, wait, oh, hard to be saved. I thought the Bible taught that like we're saved by grace and you know, not by works. What, what is this hardness that we're talking of? And actually, the better way to understand this thought, and, and actually the better translation is, not if it's hard to be saved, but if with difficulty the righteous are saved, what's going to happen to the ungodly and the sinner? And so what Peter is actually saying is, if with the difficulty of persecution we get saved, Imagine how difficult it's going to be for those who aren't saved. And Peter says these two things to keep us from shrinking away in the midst of persecution. If you think it's hard for you, a Christian, how hard is it going to be for them, a non-Christian? If you think that this, you know, suffering is hard, what happens to those who don't obey his gospel? To put this as plainly as possible, if you think persecution is hard, imagine how hard it will be in hell for unbelievers. Since it will be so much harder for them, don't shrink away into unbelief and risk facing God's wrath. Instead, stay faithful to Jesus through the pain of persecution. In response to persecution, people often think, oh, okay, well, I see this is painful and it's because of Jesus, so I'm just going to shrink back, right? But what happens to people who don't believe in and follow Jesus? They, they go to hell. So instead of shrinking back, do the easier thing. Stay faithful through persecution because it's way easier to face persecution at the hands of men than to face God's wrath in hell. As Jesus says, don't fear the one who can only harm the body. Instead, fear him who can harm, who can destroy both the body and soul in hell. Fear him. So that's the third reason. It's better to face persecution here on earth than to slide into unbelief and face God's wrath in hell. So, so far we've got our three reasons to stay faithful to Jesus persecution, uh, through persecution. And I'll just go over those real quick. Reason number one. We stay faithful because if we rejoice and stay faithful now, we will be overjoyed when Jesus returns to reward those who were faithful to him until the end. Number two, we stay faithful because during persecution, the Holy Spirit of God rests on us. That's awesome. You know, either it's a reminder that he's there or he's with us in an extra special way. And I don't want to miss out on that. Do you? And reason number three, we stay faithful through persecution because facing persecution for following Jesus is better than facing God's wrath and hell. And now that we've got our three reasons, we now turn to what we're supposed to actually do. What do we do when we face persecution? This is the question that Peter's audience would have been asking. How do we withstand it? What do we actually do? And this is what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In the moment of persecution, we are supposed to commit ourselves to God. God, this persecution is very great. 
but I give myself to you. In the moment of persecution, we're supposed to continue to do good. Not, God, this persecution is really hard, so I'm out of here, but rather, God, this persecution is really hard, so I'm going to stay faithful through it. Among my friends and family, I will continue to share the gospel. Among my neighbors, I will continue to be a wise gospel witness. At school, I won't be embarrassed for being a Christian. I trust you, God. I'm going to stay faithful, and Jesus, I'm going to continue to do good. Now, there's a quote I want to read to you from a documentary about Christians in Iran. And it's this quote from this Muslim woman. She was asked, or no, sorry, from this woman who is an ex-Muslim, now a Christian. And people who are Christians in Iran are very harshly persecuted, especially if you go from being a Muslim to being a Christian. So bad thing she did there, not in God's sight, but, you know, in the context. And she was asked, like, what would you do if you faced this very extreme form of persecution, how would you react? And the way she reacts is exactly like how this verse says. She commits herself to her faithful creator and continues to do good. So let me read this quote to you. She was asked and she said, I have given up my rights, my position, everything for Jesus, even my desires, even my future. And at that moment when they come and they carry out this very extreme form of persecution, At that moment, I will close my eyes and say, now I offer my body as a living sacrifice to you, my God. When we face persecution, we commit ourselves to our faithful creator. God, this body is yours. God, my job, it's yours. I'll do whatever you want. The one thing I'm not going to do is shrink away. But God, I commit myself to you. And that's what we're supposed to do in the workplace, in school, in your neighborhood, you know, on the school board, you, you do not shrink back. Instead, you say, God, I'm not going to shrink back. I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. You gave yourself for me, so I give myself for you. I commit myself to you. And Jesus, I'm going to keep doing good. They can't stop me unless they kill me, all right? I'm going to keep doing good for you. Our culture has become increasingly hostile toward Christians over the last 60 years. Now, compared to other times and places, you know, it... It's nothing here, but it is still something. And we're going to see, if this trend continues, we're going to see increasing persecution during our lifetimes. And so I just want to warn you, don't shrink away. And I just want to encourage you, stay faithful. You can do it. The spirit of glory is going to be with you. Don't shrink away, but rejoice. Rather, think about these three things. Number one, rejoice when you face persecution so that you will be overjoyed when Jesus returns. Number two, remember that Holy Spirit of God is all over you. You are not alone. You are not the only person who's there. God is there to help you. And number three, remember the pain of persecution for following Jesus is way easier than facing God's wrath in hell. And finally, what do you do? Commit yourselves to God, the faithful creator. Continue to do good. The God who sent his son to suffer for us is the God that we suffer for. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is the God who will be with us in power during those moments of persecution. And if we are killed, he will raise us from the dead as well. So God bless you, my brothers and sisters, and all you little ones listening right now. Only a little while longer until this life is over. Not because, like, you know, some cataclysmic event is happening, but because this life is very short. So let's stay faithful to Jesus through persecution and not shrink back. Worship team, would you please come up here and the rest of us, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, you didn't shrink back when it came to staying faithful to us. When you were going to the cross, you didn't shrink back. 
You didn't say, oh, this is too hard, so I'm not going to die for their sins. Jesus, when people were arguing with you, did you say, oh, yeah, never mind? No, you, you told them the truth. Jesus, when people hated you, you didn't run away. Now, Jesus, I pray that we would be faithful to you like you were faithful to us. We would be faithful to God like you were faithful to God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the strength to stay faithful through persecution, to continue to do good, and to commit our souls to you.